there is a there is a completely unearned key change in the middle of the song. <laughs> and I was listening to it going listening to it, and all of a sudden there's this key change and I'm like, well that was there was no reason for that. And welcome back to another episode of Exposing Ourselves. This is episode eight. Uh, this is Travis Ritchie, and with me is my good friend, Matt Runquist. Matt, this is the show where we expose each other to new things. Matt, a big music fan, will assign me one of his favorite albums or playlists or bands to listen to each week. And I, a movie buff, will give him one of my favorite films, and we come together on this very podcast to discuss it all. Later on in the podcast, very soon, we will be discussing the movie Lion and Carly Rae Jepsen's first album. Yeah. How are you, Matt? How's your week? I'm good. My week is uh, has been good. Um, not too much to report. Uh, as you know, my wife's been going through a little medical stuff, but and there was some progress on that this week. No answers yet, but closer to answers, so that's good. Okay. Well, mysteries as far as medical stuff is never... A good thing, I think, right? Right. We we like to know what they are so that we can yeah. find them and exterminate them. Well, I hope that I hope it ends well. But uh, uh, I yeah, I they um the other thing I've been so I've been working hard on the music. The new song came out mm-hmm. yesterday, which I mentioned on the podcast last week, uh, and it's uh, I'm still really enjoying it. But every single week, I have this like moment of doubt. Where I'm like, this is terrible. I'm terrible. This is bad. I should stop. And sure. And so sure. far, that imposter syndrome raising its head. Imposter syndrome is super bad. Uh, but for those of you who are experiencing imposter syndrome, it has worked for me to reach out to other people and just tell them how terrible I'm feeling about it. And oh, you no. know what? They're there for me. So, uh, so reach out to people. I think, and you'll find you'll find help. Yeah, that's good. I, you know what? I agree completely. I had a similar uh, feeling this week too. Uh, as as you know, I have Bell's palsy, which maybe not all of our listeners will know. And and I kind of realized that not all of my friends even know that I was born with half my face not quite working quite right. And uh, so I posted a thing because uh, George Clooney was on uh, the Tonight Show for um, the 20th anniversary of uh, the Jimmy who hosts that show, <laughs> and they uh, they were talking about how he mentioned Jimmy pulled out a picture of George Clooney when he was in like middle school or high school or whatever, uh, and George said, "Well, you know, just uh, just a minute, this picture I had Bell's palsy, and so before you make a joke, and so I was like, oh right, I do talk about that sometimes that George Clooney also had it when he was a kid, and so I posted that, and in the comments of that post, people were incredibly supportive of me and uh, and that. So I've um, always uh, I've always. But uh, I thought it was really incredible that you never, I mean, sure, you acknowledge it, but it's never slowed you down. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it's funny. It's a it's a surprisingly common thing that a lot of people don't know about. Uh, you know, yeah, it's, sort of, right? it's sort of like a miscarriage or something. Like mm-hmm. if you mention Bell's palsy, people are like, oh, I, I had that or one of my classmates had that when I was in high school or something like that. So it is actually a pretty common experience. Uh, yeah. But people don't don't talk about it, so I I appreciate you being super upfront with everybody and and open about it. Well, thanks. Yeah, it's, it, what's what's less common is for it to be permanent, and uh, generally people get better from it. So it's kind of like a 
for most people it's a temporary affliction and so um and whoever yeah, would have thought that you would be an overachiever travis Huh. Uh, <laughs> me? I don't know. Uh, you know what it is? It's compensation. That's what it is. It's uh, even going into comedy in the first place was compensation. It's it's my way to kind of hold the world at bay. But uh, speaking of speaking of uh, overachieving, man, this week I had something going every single day. I had I started improv classes at UCB. That's the Upright Citizens Brigade here in uh, Los Angeles. So I started my level three hundred one class on monday and it was a lot of fun i am actually really excited about this class because it's big first of all there's like 16 people and my last class started at 12 but then kind of dwindled down until we only had uh, maybe even eight or so at the last for our for our show at the end uh this class is a big class but also there is only like maybe one weak link in the entire class which i'm really happy about um then See, Thursday and Friday, I did writing sessions with the Idiot's Lantern, which is my Doctor Who sketch group. We have the big Gallifrey Ones uh, convention coming up next month, which is the world's largest Doctor Who uh, convention that's, that's run by fans anyway. So fan-run Doctor Who convention, I guess. Thousands of people come, and we usually have an audience. We've been This is our 10th anniversary show. I haven't been with them the whole 10 years, but... Uh, the last few shows we've had upwards of a thousand people in the audience, like generally about half the convention comes to our show. And so we're writing a really good show for this, uh, for this year's convention. We had, I had two classes at the collaborative, which is my acting group. We had a skills class on Wednesday, which was about all about the accent. And, uh, we worked on the RP British accent, which is the same accent that I used as wand keeper in Japan when I was the wand keeper at Harry Potter World. And then we did a casting workshop on Thursday. I had another casting class on Saturday. So, oh man, it was just a just a week for me, man. And the, today I had two birthday parties to go to. Oh, my God. So, that is yeah. a lot. Oh, we did get seven inches of snow yesterday. So, what? Yeah. So That's that, that was a, That was a big part of my week, especially because... It is the first significant snow we've had this entire winter. Uh, we've really? Had, yeah, we've had uh, an inch or two a few times, uh, but this was our first big, fluffy, powdery snow. Wow. Uh, and it, it, there was a lot of it. That's interesting. So, I mean, that actually comes to mind. Uh, this is the – I'm coming up on the 20th anniversary of moving to L.A. from Crazy. Minnesota. And uh, I left town – right around the 29th or 30th of January. And okay. that year was also a very dry year for sn- for snow. <laughs> we had not had much snow. The day I left, it started snowing and didn't stop for like a week or two or something like that. Oh it was crazy. And it was also a very wet winter in L.A. So I got to L.A. and I was like, oh, it just rains in L.A. all the time. Uh, but then we didn't get <laughs> rain for 20 years. And now now here we are, another wet winter. So that's interesting. Everything what, old what is new again. Interesting. Well, everything goes around. Well, uh, shoot, man. Uh, this is an interesting. I'm interested to uh, get right into our 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 stuff if you want. Yeah. Unless there's something else you want to cover. No, let's dive right into it. I've been talking to people about, first of all, I've been talking to people about the podcast and they've been hearing about it and, uh, and, and, and seem interested, yeah. if not 
if not having already come to me, like I've had one or two people come to me and be like, hey, I, I really like your podcast. And oh, nice. um, the last episode was really interesting, stuff like that. So, uh, so that's good to hear. And uh, once again, we do have our Facebook page and, uh, uh, and email address. So if you want to email us any comments or suggestions or your own opinion on the movies that we're going to talk about, email us at... Uh, I forgot the name of the podcast for a second. I believe it's Exposing Ex- Ourselves it Podcast. Is exposing Ourselves Podcast at gmail.com. Nice. And uh, if you look up Exposing Ourselves on Facebook, you can find us there. So... <clears throat> Well, what do you want to talk about first? Uh, movies or uh, let's music? let's talk about the music first. Uh, let's swap the order. You know, it's interesting. You say that every time, but are you sure we swap? Because if I feel like we always start with the music, which is um, fine. I don't. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the last several weeks you've been like, let's switch it up and talk about the music first. But I feel like we always talk about the music first, which is fine because honestly, for me, it's harder. I have less to say. I feel about about the music. Like, it's harder to dissect for me than it is to like all the things that go into a movie. Yeah, maybe but, um, maybe after we've got fifty or sixty episodes under your belt, you'll you'll feel like you have uh, you know a wider base of experience. Is it the vocabulary from. I lack? Could to, be. Uh, Could be. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm not saying that that's not true, but uh, so this week uh, I was made to listen to Carly Rae Jepsen's premiere album. Was it? Is it self? Titled? Is it, it is uh, not called self-titled. It's called what's it called? It's called Kiss. Oh, really? Yeah. Which is interesting because when you assigned it, I I'm pretty sure you said something along the lines of that this was not one of the things that made this special for you was that it was not a uh, a, a a thing about like girls liking boys and and you know that typical teen pop music. Uh, right? I I don't rem- like I don't remember saying that. This is very down the middle, uh, teen teeny bopper pop music. You might be well. Thinking, go ahead and tell us more about it. Okay, so uh, Carly Rae Jepsen is a singer songwriter from Canada. Uh, she had a brief, um, like almost a Tiffany phase uh, in her teens. Uh, she did get signed to a couple of record like development type deals. Uh, but this album, so I guess this isn't technically her debut album. This is her breakout album. Uh, okay. This this was sort of a, a pivot to a little bit different. I was sold style. a bill of goods, is what you're saying. You were sold a bill of goods, absolutely. That, you got to watch me carefully. So this was uh, a sort of a pivot for her into a little bit more mature pop. But like she, you know, so she was in her late 20s when this was recorded. But it absolutely sounds like really? it. Yeah, it absolutely sounds like it was recorded by like a 17 year old Avril Lavigne. Yeah, um, it sure does. But uh, <laughs> so I can tell that you're going to like it. But it's it's <laughs> very bouncy pop music. Uh, lyrics are mostly about boys uh and relationships absolutely yeah. but now, it's okay. really it's the reason i love it is cuz it's really well crafted and fun yeah i also wonder if you love it because you have a daughter who is uh around college age right now right i would love to tell you that this is her fault but no 
This really? Is, I mean, I do have a daughter, daughter who's college age, and she was in she was in the sweet spot for liking this album. But no, this is me. This is wow. I will say, as I have discussed this album with people over the last week, that was my that was my prevailing theory that that's because you said that this was one uh, one of your you love you really like this album. I do love this album. Yeah. Okay, I, great. Here's the thing that maybe our listeners certainly don't know, and I don't think you even know, is that. In the 90s and early 2000s, I was very, very deep into the whole like indie. The more obscure mm-hmm. the music is, the better. Uh, very like if it's on the radio, it's bad, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And I only really started coming out of that around 2006, 2007, right? Where okay. I was, I started hearing some pop music that was really like interesting and 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 i started you know learning about music that was just like more fun right and yeah, yeah. so this album came along at a time when i really had started to get back into like radio and pop and realizing that yeah i mean some of it's some of it's you know airy and pointless but some of it is really really quite good and i love the i love the hooks i love the melodies but i do i do want to hear you know what you think about this Okay, well, I'm honestly a little bit torn because this album is tailor-made for gay dance clubs. And I love me a dance club. I, I really do love dancing, and I, and I miss it. Uh, I think the, part of the issue is that I had kind of stopped going to clubs by the time this came out. So I do, of course, remember Call Me Maybe everybody you couldn't avoid it and uh, i think i mentioned that i had a a a parody song that i edited a video for from one of my exes actually um that was hold my baby and the uh so i was familiar with it now listening to it the i listened to it twice the first time through was on a hike where once again i have nothing to do but focus on the on the music the second time through was on my bike during a bike ride, and uh, it was a little more like backgroundy. Uh, I enjoyed it more the second time, but neither time did I really like it. And I, I'm, I feel like it's a very dance party album. Do, do you ever listen to this when you don't just want to dance? Like, uh, no, I mean, this music absolutely makes me want to dance, uh, but I do. Yeah, it gets you up. It gets you moving for sure. Uh, it's interesting that you point that out because, of course, this was like a huge uh, hit in the gay clubs and or not not necessarily like in the gay clubs, but like in the gay community. Uh, Carly Rae Jepsen is very much in your Kylie Minogue, Robin yep. sort of uh you know a huge portion of her fan base is is gay and if you look at her next album emotion um that one is also fantastic but it, and it's a little more mature and it definitely leans into that quite a bit uh mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. that is not nearly as widely known amongst the general populace but i would say it it for a lot of people it's more uh, that a lot of the gays like emotion better than kiss because kiss is oh, kiss is very like middle school right like it, it feels very basic in its emotions and so forth yeah it it, it kind of does and that's that's uh, i'll get to that for a second but i i i have mostly depended on 
I want to say my boyfriends to expose me to new music. Like it took. You're welcome. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> no, not well. I mean, yeah, you were my you were my college platonic uh, straight boyfriend, I suppose. Uh, and you did expose me to some things that I uh, really liked uh, in the end. But like, I remember I listened to like I I took it took you know uh, Matthew to expose me to Lady Gaga. It took Rob to expose me to uh, some newer. Um, like uh Kylie Minogue you mentioned uh and I love some of that stuff some of their music especially but by the time I don't know where I was when 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 this album came out but I certainly didn't listen to anything more than Call Me Maybe so all of this was new to me and I want to say my biggest critique my biggest criticism and it's kind of unavoidable for me was I I didn't I didn't like her voice Really? Um, I thought it was slightly too high-pitched for my ear, and I found it annoying to listen to. Mm. Um, And what's interesting is Call Me Maybe is not like that. Call Me Maybe is pitched down a little bit. And and it's not every song either. It's just most of them. (laughs) And there is a – there is a – there's an – it's – I, I hate to use this word because it's the kind of word my dad would use, but it's kind of the very definition of teeny bopper music. Oh, like, absolutely. Like it, like, and I, and I feel like teeny as in made for teens, but also teeny, like it's that kind of teeny voice, almost tinny sound, which is not pleasant for me to listen to. And I also, that made me wonder if maybe I'm a bit sexist when it comes to music. Because, like, I kind of had the same problem with uh, Haim, but not with AJR. But I did have the same problem with The Decemberist. So, I don't know. It's hard to say. Well, Um, Colin Malloy has a girly voice, so... Mm. I can and that, I do right? certainly love my share of of female singers. I just it was a thought that flitted through my head as I was listening to this while I was on the trail. I was like, "Oh, I don't like this. Am I sexist?" <laughs> um, but I don't think so. But uh, it, it was also funny that like there's a song. I think it was the fourth song in the album, "Curiosity," um, where there is a there is a completely unearned key change in the middle of the song, <laughs> <laughs> and I was listening to it going. <laughs> Listen to it, and all of a sudden there's this key change, and I'm like, "Well, that was there was no reason for that." Um, well, I, think, I just looked at it. The song is only three and a half minutes long, so probably the key change is just to get the extra forty seconds out to make it like long enough, right? Oh, <laughs> really? Maybe, maybe because originally it was only going to be under yeah. three minutes or something. Yeah, it was going to be under three long minutes, enough? and that's not long enough. Yeah. Oh goodness. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I. I just noticed that there was a song that featured Justin Bieber. I, I did notice a song where there was a guy singing, and if that was Justin Bieber, wait a minute, well, no, I took the Justin Bieber song off. Oh, you of did? The okay, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the album right there, now because yeah, I needed the, some information about dates and stuff. So yeah, there's okay. uh, I took the Justin Bieber song off specifically because uh, it, I feel like it's the one weak point on the album. There oh. is that uh, there is an Owl City song, which is another collaboration. So you can see that the record label certainly believed in her enough to. I mean, Justin Bieber hadn't completely blown up at this point, but he was definitely an artist on the rise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Baby had been recorded, but hadn't come out uh, when this album 
uh, when this album was recorded. And so, you know, he was obviously a bit of a get at the time. Owl city was a bit of a get. They had a pretty big, uh, pretty big following as well. So oh, interesting. certainly the label, the label believed in this enough to, to really kind of get some high profile guests on it and, uh, you know, push it. Yeah. And, you know, and it's not, uh, it's not bad for what it is. Uh, I, I can't say that I would probably put this on my regular rotation unless I was having a party where I wanted dance music. See, so this is not going on the hypothetical boyfriend mixtape, but is potentially going on the party, the party mixtape. Yeah, and, sure. Hosting a party. Yeah. And you could put a deep cut on now rather than putting Call Me Maybe. Everybody knows Call Me Maybe. You could, you could, what was your favorite song? X, you know what? Call Me Maybe. X, Call Me Maybe. Oh man, that's, that's. That's a hard one because I think Call Me Maybe was my favorite song of the album. Um, I don't, I, I couldn't peg another help. song that I liked any better than any of the rest. All right. All right. So. I've always enjoyed the um, sort of the really basic couplets on this one to the point where in, uh, in the last song or second to last song, it's actually called Guitar String Slash Wedding mm-hmm. Ring. Right, which yeah. is just the cheesiest rhyme in the entire world. Like, if uh, if you gave me a piece of guitar string, I would wear it like it's a wedding ring. Yes. Right? Oh my god. Just I, the, I, the I dumbest, found that... cheesiest. But see, it this is. again. Uh, I would say this does go back to a time in my. So that I would say that was perceptive of you. That this does definitely remind me of a time in my life. It's just it doesn't revolve around my daughter's liking it. But it does remind me of a time when I was learning more about pop music and and sort of engaging with it in a way that was much less ironic and closed emotionally closed off. Right. Mm -hmm. Because as you know, as people who were steeped in 90s culture, we you know, I I have a tone control problem where it sounds like I'm sarcastic all the time, even when I'm not. And, you know, we have we people of our generation often have trouble with like authenticity and like experiencing things in a way that isn't at an emotional distance. And when this album came out and when I was really enjoying it was a time in my life when I was trying to learn to not be like that, you know? Oh, that's sweet. And so, yeah, like the, the last, I will, I'm going to give a shout out to the last song here. Your heart is a muscle. Um, because yes, it, it absolutely is right. Like, yes, on the straightforward, your heart is a muscle, but like, then the lyrics go on to say, you know, you got to work it out, make it stronger, right? You have to, you have to engage with the world. You have to be present in relationships. You have to, you have to try, right? You can't just like float through life and expect things to come to you. You can't float through life and expect love to come to you. You have to, you have to work it out and make it stronger, you know? And so, yeah, sure. Is that kind of a basic observation? Yeah, but it's also true, right? (laughs) Yeah. I I, I wanted to read a bit from the uh, guitar string. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. This is fantastic. Please go ahead. So, so here's a sample. Uh, 
so you're a bird in the water i'm a fish on the ground just hold me closer or oh won't you hold me down tonight but if you cut a piece of guitar string i would wear it like it's a wedding ring wrapped around my finger you know what i mean you play my heartstrings all right so it's funny because there's a little bit of a parallel here with a much older song uh are you familiar with the nine inch nails song ring finger no uh no you're familiar with the band nine inch nails though yeah yeah okay okay so in 1989 they released the album pretty hate machine and there's this song on there called ring finger that has the cheesiest fucking i don't think it's possible to write a song about someone's ring finger without being cheesy uh even when you're being kind of gross so i looked up those lyrics ring finger promise carved in stone deeper than the sea ring finger sever flesh and bone and offer it to me so one gross right but Mm. two like that's cheesy man like come on trent you know you know well you know and this just goes to show that lyrics to songs sometimes the song isn't about the poetry sometimes the song is about the music and the melody and 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 then you just kind of write whatever you can to go with it yeah uh but other times other times it's the poetry first and then you write something that goes with that and these are various examples of both of those things maybe we should have but, a contest this is the this is the exposing ourselves songwriting challenge write a song about a ring finger that isn't awful uh, well, I think that sounds like a, uh, a Stankhole, uh, Panko Stankhole Panko songwriting Stankhole. prompt. Maybe if yeah, I, maybe go. if I, so I've already changed one of my songwriting prompts because I decided I didn't like it in the moment. So I'm going to keep that one in my back pocket because I do have them planned out for the entire year. Oh, do you? Wow. Yes. I, didn't I do know that. have the okay. prompts planned out for the entire year, but some of them I, I get to them and I'm like, mm, actually, I don't feel like doing that. Uh, so I'm going to keep write a decent ring finger song or at least a song that references the ring. I think it's impossible to revolve around the ring finger and not be a cheese ball song. Yeah. I don't know. It's uh, there's gotta be something there. I'm sure there's something interesting to, to say about the ring finger, but uh, I not being a musician don't know what it is. <laughs> Maybe you could write so, a skit about a ring finger. So are you ready to rate or are you? Yeah, you sure. Okay. I mean, this is, this is middle of the road for me. I'd probably give it a, a, a healthy five. Sure. I mean, I, that might be a little bit generous, actually, but yeah. uh, you I'm can comfortable be, with... You can be honest with me. My feelings no, aren't no, no, a candy bar. No, no, no. I don't bar. dis... Mm, boy, now you've, you're talking me down. Um, <laughs> I, you know what? Nah, I'm going to give it a four. Yeah. Because there is one, there's one really good song that I have enjoyed multiple times, but the rest of it is kind of... Uh, there are certain songs that are actually hard to listen to for me, and most of it is a little bit um superfluous i want to gotta say. work it out make it stronger shine for me just a little longer your heart is a muscle well this album is a nine for me it would be a 10 without the justin bieber song um, wow! Wow! Yeah. I I didn't hurt yeah. you or anything with that with this. Am I? I'm not like trying to get back at you for last week. No, not at all. Not at all. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, all I right. good. I I am trying to suggest things to you that I like. Um, yeah, and, ditto. And I 
I would like it if you liked them, but sure. honestly, I just want us to have a good conversation and hang out. So well, yeah, exactly. We've established this. We've we're we're for the most part we've uh, we've we're only going to recommend things that we like to the other. Yeah, uh, unless we do our very special episode idea, which I'm kind of excited about. Yeah, I I I've actually started sort of casually trying to think of what's a classic album that I have never. I've never listened to. So now I'm like avoiding listening to things just in case we uh, we decide to do this very special. There episode. are there are definitely uh, highly rated movies that I have not seen that okay. I'm fairly certain that you have also not seen <laughs> that I think we could watch uh, awesome. watch together. So awesome. Well, we are we're a little bit behind schedule. Let's uh, let's move on to the movie. Oh. Goodness. Well, speaking of uh, highly rated, let's talk about Lion. Lion is the movie that I thought. So it came out in 2016 alongside uh, movies like Moonlight, Arrival, uh, La La Land, Manchester by the Sea, if you remember that one. And um, uh, Hidden Figures came out that year. And so a really good slot of uh, best motion picture of the year nominees for the Oscars. And but but. While famously La La Land was announced to have won the Oscar, but then it ch- then they said, "Oh, we were wrong," and it was actually Moonlight that happened live on air. And so, uh, but I thought Lion was the movie that should have won that year. I think it's a beautiful movie. The story is about this um, little boy in India. He's like five years old, and he gets on a train. He gets kind of lost, and the train he gets locked on this train and travels thousands of miles away from home and he's so young he doesn't know how to find his way home and he gets adopted by this Australian couple and lives a a fairly privileged life with them Uh, and then 25 years later the advent of the internet happens and he hears about Google Earth and starts searching for home and it stars uh, Dev Patel as the uh, older Saru, uh, a young actor by the name of Sonny Pawar as young Saru, who is just amazing to me, and also Nicole Kidman as their adopted mom. So yeah. what did you think? Uh, I really liked it. We'll start there. Yeah, I really okay. liked it. Um, what do I, I also s- rewatched it, by the way, this week, because I had only seen it one time, and this opinion okay. of mine... Was all from that one all viewing. based on the one viewing. Way back, yeah. So let me ask you a couple of questions here because I'm, I'm a little iffy on the chronology. Was this after they expanded the Best Picture category to 10 films or was it still only five at the time? It was uh, – that year it was nine films were oh, nominated. Nine, so yeah, this was up, after up that. Up to yeah. 10, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. And, and so it was nominated but, but didn't win. Correct. For Best Correct. Picture. Okay. Um, so here's what I'll say about this movie. I really, really liked it. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous film. Mm -hmm. Um, really you get to see parts of India that are not typically shown. Uh, the actor, Sonny Pawar, you said? Uh, yeah, yeah. The actor who plays young Saru is absolutely phenomenal. You know how I read Christian Bale a little for his performance in Empire of the yep. Sun, and I said it's not yep. fair to put. There's a, a lot of parallels actually between not, the, these yeah, two movies. Yeah, there are a lot of parallels, and I would say I liked this movie quite a bit better. Um, the this is how 
uh, th- this is what you need from your young actor if you're going to put it on top of on the shoulders of of a kid. He is yeah. absolutely fantastic. Now I can't speak to his line delivery in Hindi, um, but it sure seems good. He seems very yeah. naturalistic, right? And his his reactions, his his eyes are so expressive, very expressive eyes. They. I don't know how much of this was direction and how much of it was just a very naturalistic actor, but really, really, really good stuff from Sonny yeah. Pawar. Like, I really can't say enough good things about. I think all his the actors, like all the Indian actors, all the like his brother the, and his mom, yeah. they were all so the emotions that they all have are so clean and and real and natural. Uh, it was so interesting to to watch for me. Yeah. And yeah, that that was all really good. Um so I want to get into some things that I found a little bit hitchy about this without in any way implying that I didn't like the movie cuz I I did mm-hmm. like the movie, but these were things that were tough for me. One, sure. this movie is extremely plot light. Uh you know, you gave me like a three sentence summary of or as three sentence introduction to the movie last week. And I, and the only part that of the plot that you hadn't revealed to me was like the last four minutes of the movie. Right. Sure. It's, it's, he gets lost, he gets adopted. He goes to find his family. Like that is, that's the whole plot. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, There's very few ancillary characters. Uh, Those characters are, are, have very little screen time. You know, adult Saru has a girlfriend and the relationship kind of it's it's actually I mean, it's handled really well. Right. But like this movie is relentless in its focus on Saru's point of view. And mm-hmm. and I really, really liked that. I found it easier to live in that movie than I did with Empire of the Sun because. Oh, good, good. Because. Yeah. 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 I noted I, that difference, too, when I was rewatching it and uh, and especially with your your criticism of vampire having just a little too much. Yeah. This is very simple. Yes. It's very simple. It's very focused on the things that he knows, the things that he understands, the things that he sees. Um, I could have used a few more scenes in Australia. Like there's a 20 year skip. um, And then, and then there's sort of like scenes around that time that kind of imply what has happened in the intervening time. I wouldn't have hated either a time skip to an intervening time or just like more, right? You've got what, some... uh, well, what, 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 what benefit would that have had for you? What would you have liked to have seen? Do you think? I, I just wanted a little more plot, <laughs> right? Mm. Okay. You know, I like, he obviously like this movie is very, very focused on his search for his family and, and that's great. And, but it did it did just kind of leave me a little bit like wa- wanting more, right? Which is not well. I think the interesting thing about it is that um, so just story wise, you're looking at uh, the this kid who gets lost and and gets adopted, and almost the whole first act is all of the getting lost, getting adopted, yeah, and the 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 the. I'm trying to think of it from a story structure point of view, but the inciting incident almost is almost the moment when someone says, Hey, have you ever heard of Google earth? Yeah. 
And that's far further into, like, maybe further than halfway into the movie, yeah. I want to say. Yeah. The entire and first half of the movie is in India, which is not at all what I was expecting when you described it Yeah, I didn't it either. Me. In my memory, it wasn't that much. Yeah. But it's all fascinating. And it all kind of leads into... Uh, it's it's almost like a you're watching him solve a puzzle, and when it all comes together, it feels like it very easily could have felt contrived. Yeah, but the way they the way they set things up early on to pay off uh, as he was decoding his memory, his own memory to yeah. use as uh, this puzzle solving mechanism, I thought was really rewarding to me. Yeah, no, I I would agree. I think they set that scene up where he's where he all of a sudden realizes he probably should expand his search radius a little bit and keep following the line. Uh, I, I thought that was all really, really well done and really well set up there. There is like a chunk, maybe two thirds or three quarters of the way through this movie where like, there's a lot of like, he's angsty. He's stuck in his, in his apartment. He won't go out. He, he's like clicking things on his computer and it like, it does get a little bit like, I yes, I get the point he's searching, right? <laughs> um mm. but I'm but again, like the, this is why I did, I don't want to get too deep into the into the criticisms because I feel like they're really nitpicky. Like uh, overall the movie is is really fantastic. It tells a beautiful story. Um you know, and then so are, can we can we do a spoiler alert here? There's a spoiler yeah. alert here for the end of Lion. So let's say first, I highly recommend if you have not seen this movie, seek it out. It's currently on Netflix, and so you can watch it for free. It's going to be, I feel, like a rewarding experience for anybody to watch. Uh, yeah. Although it can also be, I would say there's some triggering moments too. If you have, I mean, I don't know, just just beware it's an emotional experience. If you have young children, uh, I think it could be triggering. If you have fears around uh, you know, traffic, human trafficking. Uh, I think it could be triggering for sure. Um, yeah. I, I, so the end of the movie is, is a real whirlwind, right? He's mm-hmm. in, he's in Australia. Right. And then there's like a jump to the village that he finds and he finds his mom and he finds out his brother is again, spoiler alert. His brother is dead and died on the night. He disappeared. Right, yeah. Um, just... Well, it's it doesn't feel like it's a inappropriate jump. Like, and they do you do see him. You see him on the airplane. You see him on the train. You see him in the hotel. You see him decide to go search for the village, and he and you see him on the walk to the village and and seeing all these familiar landmarks. It's not quite as fast as you <laughs> just described. And then yeah, they well, do I this mean that very... wasn't a that wasn't a that wasn't a read at all. I'm just saying like there is there is real whiplash at the end of this movie um, because you find out that you know I was saying this movie is told relentlessly from his point of view. One of the things mm-hmm. that happens in this movie is that he has these um, sort of visions of his brother searching for him and and about his uh, mother and his brother. And and to a lesser extent, his sister and what they what might be going on, what they might be thinking and feeling. He actually interacts with his sort of dreams about them. And because it's so relentlessly from his point of view and he doesn't know that his brother is dead, 
right? The the audience is definitely led to believe that his uh, that his brother is still alive, which is fine, right? Because right? we don't I'm, know if these visions that he's having are are his perspective or maybe right. Like if they're memories reality, that are surfacing, the real thing or, that yeah. happened that yeah. he's kind of you know imagining. Yeah, yeah, because it's he is also surfacing device, real memories. Yeah, so um, you know all. Uh, you know, and then you find out that his brother is dead and all those things were just him, like, not not hallucinating, but, like, coming up with, you know, plausible scenarios, which end up not being true, right? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I'm sure so, I'm sure his mom did spend time looking for him and uh, uh, in those moments where she's at the she's at the watering hole or the at the river, you know, with yeah. all the boys playing and he's she's calling for his name. Yeah. And it makes sense that she's calling for his name, but not Gadoo's name. And, uh, you know, all that takes on a whole nother meaning. But they do an interesting – he goes – he finds the house that he grew up in, the little – the hovel of a house, Mm, and goes in, and and it's now a goat pen, you know? And and he thinks he is – he's come all this way and failed, and he goes outside, and uh, and the the, the guy who – leads him down the road and from the distance he can he sees him oh that was all i thought it was very that it mm. built the tension very well yeah and it also the emotion built and one of the things i noticed is that the music which can often be very emotionally manipulative in movies mm-hmm. felt very uh supportive emotionally yeah. in this movie and uh and i of course this goes back to my um watching of of Empire of the Sun, but movies about boys being reunited with their mothers, man, I don't know why that gets me, but this is, this got me. I, I, I yeah. finished rewatching it just before we started recording and I was a bit of a mess for yeah. a few minutes. So yeah, it's, it's definitely an emotional ending to the movie. Um, yeah, I, I really, I, I dug this movie. Uh, I'm, I'm glad I watched it. Um, yeah, the pacing issues aside, one of the things that the glacial pacing allows you is a lot of really beautiful shots of of India. I really liked the way that American or, or Western audiences are introduced to the idea that India is not a monolith and that there are, of course, yeah. hundreds of languages still spoken in India. And even if you speak one of the dominant languages like Hindi, that doesn't mean that you speak Bengali. And, right. And that there are places in the country that you're going to really have a hard time if you only speak uh, one language. Or Yeah, or, I was very one... surprised by that. Uh, I mean, I remember feeling that kind of like, oh, wow, we, you know, even he's, tra- he's spent he's probably traveled a thousand miles, but this boy can't speak the language in the place that he's that he ends up in. Uh, he ends up in Calcutta uh, and can't speak Bengali, which I guess was the dominant language there. Um, this movie was fairly su- successful, so we talked a little bit about how movies don't tend to be nominated or win Oscars if they're not successful, right? Yeah. This made $140 million on a $12 million budget. Wow. It was, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a decently successful movie. So um, it's an Australian movie produced, uh, you know, in Australia. So I don't know oh, what yeah. kind of, I don't know how much of that box office was American versus worldwide. Yeah. But it. Um, so it cost like so. three or four hundred million Australian dollars. Yeah. 
<laughs> because it was twelve million dollars. I don't know the yeah. I don't know the exchange rate on that. Yeah. But uh, it, uh, so I'm looking right now. It, it made fifty one million in the United States and yeah, Canada, and then eighty eight million uh, in other countries for a worldwide total of one hundred and forty. So uh, not bad. And not bad at all. Dev Patel and Nicole Kidman both got uh, Academy Award nominations. Neither of them won. Although I believe Dev Patel won a BAFTA for his performance. So, okay. yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, we could um, we could maybe briefly talk about the casting of Dev Patel here. Um, okay. Dev Patel is an insanely hot, light-skinned British man. and British Indian man. Well, British man of Indian descent, but like he's not sure. he's not from India. I mean, there when when he played in Slumdog, which was his big breakout role, there was mm-hmm. there was consternation then about the fact that, you know, he's he's not Indian. Um you do get to see uh during the credit sequence of this movie uh actual Saru and he is like every other like the child Saru and like every other Indian actor in the movie a pretty dark-skinned dude it's uh so it is a little jarring to see the adult Saru be so like notably not the same it just because I'm kind of used to casting directors doing no no man this is like the lightest possible criticism Oh, no, it's just it, okay. Like, yeah, go I'm, ahead. I'm so used to like these days of like just these insanely good casting decisions where I found it jarring just because like the whole first half of the movie is all these like really dark skinned Indian people, including Saru, right? And then you grow up, and all of a sudden Saru is not dark skinned anymore, and it it like it does take you out of it a little bit. Now he's also insanely hot. He's very nice to look at. Um there I definitely yelled at the screen like honey he's out of your league at his girlfriend. Um that's Rooney Mara. I know, but he's out of her league. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. Fair enough. So, yeah. I mean, um, who would you have wanted to uh who have you I mean, I think like, this is I suppose I think someone that's like a question. Aziz Ansari might have been more appropriate casting, <laughs> but would uh, you have wanted to watch him in that in that role? Well, I I don't I honestly don't know, right? I don't think there are a lot of uh dark-skinned Indian men with like uh you know, chops in Hollywood. But well, of the appropriate age, too. Yeah, of appropriate age. Um, but that I mean that in itself is just the same problem stated a different way, right? <laughs> You know, it's not like these people don't exist, right? They're just not making films sure. in Hollywood. Okay, you know? yes. I mean, how do you green? How do you get a greenlit movie yeah. for for you know? Okay, fair enough. And and this this was uh, the director's first big movie, so oh, okay. he's not going to be the draw. And yeah. who knows whether who knows who came on first? Whether it was uh, whether it was Dev or Nicole Kidman. But yeah, um, yeah like clearly know. they're the two stars that got this made, right? Like mm-hmm. w- until their names were attached, this was never going anywhere, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't have that much of a problem with it as you do. It's not whitewashing. I don't. I it's mean, not... I don't. I don't have that much of a problem with it either. I just, you know, I'm I'm calling it out. Like it is colorism, absolutely, and colorism is a problem in India just as much as it's a problem here. Um, I would love to hear what Dev Patel would have to say about that. <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, if he is of Indian descent, even if he is not 
born in India. And so, like, I don't know. And especially since the character ended up living most of his life, the actual person lived most of his life in, uh, you know, in a white household in mm-hmm. Australia. Yeah. Like, it seems to me he's the perfect person for the role. Uh, if, you know, uh, I don't know. Rather than finding someone who well, maybe okay. would have a hard time. Okay. If this, I, so I, I'm gonna throw something at you here, and if this devolves, we can cut this. <laughs> How would you feel about a biopic about your life being played by an actor without Bell's palsy, but in makeup? Uh, I, pr- I mean, I probably would feel pretty fine about it because I understand that it's well. That's a. I feel like that's maybe a bad example because it's hard to find somebody with permanent Bell's palsy who can also act. Uh, I don't think it's very difficult at all. Well, you think you're looking at him, but I can't play myself at 20 or whatever part of my life. Uh, you know, however, I am probably not going to be the right age to portray myself in my own biopic. <laughs> you know. Uh, but given, you know, assuming that that's the case, that I'm not, that I'm 60 and they're finally making a biopic of me in my thirties, uh, I wouldn't want to play that. And yeah. So put some makeup on a guy and, uh, or, or CGI, uh, something going on with some actor's face. I don't know. Um, but I, I would, I thought you were going to say something like a, a non queer actor playing me or something like that. And that, although my, my gayness is, probably not the thing i am ever going to be known for uh that except in these days circles <laughs> depends on where you are uh but these uh but that's probably not going to be the thing that 300 you know, feet away <laughs> <laughs> are you on my grinder right now no i so i personally don't think that that's such a big of a deal actors can act uh i i do understand where i i think that um inclusion is is important representation is different okay does that make sense uh talk a little more about that i think it's important to uh to to include actors of various types so if you're making a movie about uh a trans person then reach out to the trans acting community and find your people there first before you reach out to find other others that may be able to also act competently in your movie. Um, you know, so if you're, if you're those, those are the things that I'm talking about. So try to f- look for people with disabilities first. If you're making a, a movie about people with disabilities, look for, you know, people look for native American people first. If you're making a movie about native Americans, look for people of the tribes that you're, portraying first before you reach out and broaden your scope you know that's that's inclusion yeah i i absolutely agree with with all of that and i I, you know i don't know what the casting process was like for this movie i just i think that i i would bet that there was a better choice well race is a social construct and my rating for this movie is a seven you're going to rate this a seven? Yeah. This was a really good, competent movie. I liked it a lot. I had uh, a few problems with, um, you know, like the, the pacing and the, the plotting, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But 
but overall, yeah, I, I liked it. Dug it. I am going to rate it a uh, a nine. I think it's I. It wasn't quite. It's I don't know if it's not perfect. I was very happy to revisit it. I've uh, I have no problems with it. I I enjoyed the experience of coming back to this movie very much. Uh, I don't know that it's going to be a movie I'm going to watch. You know, it's been six years since I've saw, seen it, so maybe it'll be another six years before I see it again. But uh, I think that I'll enjoy it when I do once more. Nice. Cool. Yeah. So there we go. A, a seven and a nine for Lion and a, a four and a nine for uh, Carly Rae Jepsen's. Yeah. Not, yeah, a kiss. Not bad. Uh, I, I know what I'm going to assign you for next week. Do you know what oh, you're going to assign exciting. me? Oh, that's exciting. I do know what I'm going to assign you, but I want to hear yours. All right. Uh, have you seen the movie Jumanji with Robin Williams? Yes. I figured you might have. Have you seen Jumanji, uh, the, uh, is it Return to the Jungle? The, the kind of soft reboot? This is the part where I remind you that you are assigning the movie, and I yes. don't know. Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, it's called. Welcome to the Jungle. We've got yes. fun and games. I get that joke. Yes. Have you seen it? I have not. <laughs> well, good. You're about to. Uh, <laughs> about to see it. So Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, came out in 2017. And there are things I... So here's just the backstory. I did not want to watch this movie when I saw the trailers for it. I thought the trailers looked dumb. I thought the movie looked dumb. And I was completely surprised by how much I loved the experience. And that's all I'm going to say about it. I think you should go in... Um, as a blank slate as possible to see this movie. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because I felt the same way about the original Jumanji. I thought the trailers looked dumb. I thought the movie looked dumb and I quite enjoyed it. So this yeah, will be, well, it's hard not to like a Robin Williams movie. And of course, I mean, Robin the, Williams isn't I mean, around he, anymore. He had, a, he had this, a few, he had a few stinkers. So a couple. Yeah, <laughs> a uh, it's true. That's a true. Couple. Yeah, so this is I will say though that this is a uh one of the things that concerned me is that they were they were rebooting Jumanji in the age of reboots where everything was being rebooted and this is more of a soft reboot and it does actually um retain the original movie as as canon. Okay. That's all I'll say. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, what you got for me? We are going in a very different direction this week. Oof, thank God. Uh, oh, okay. Well, I mean, don't, don't well, get, different don't than get ahead of yourself. Oh, no. Um, but I want you to know that I'm not assigning this to you as punishment. Um, <laughs> no, I'm assigning this to you because I really, really like it. And I'm, I'm hopeful that you will find something to like about this. Okay. Um, you know, so there, I mean, early on, early assignments from you were were surprisingly uh, popular with me. So yeah, so this this may be. I I'm not even going to say it's a surprise if you like this. Don't prejudge. It's, just, it's very it's very different from what we've been doing. So we've been very much in the pop pop rock realm for a while now. Mm-hmm. But I, as I told you, didn't listen to pop for a super long time. I used to listen to a whole bunch of different genres but one of them that i super got into is a genre called post-rock which is guitar-based music that sort of abandons traditional song structures you know verse chorus verse bridge chorus right 
and goes in for a lot more well it basically expands right sort of gets bigger and more cinematic are you familiar with the band arcade fire i've heard of them they would probably have heard of one or two songs their early stuff was sort of was sort of in that post-rock realm and then they you know um but this there was a there was a very early very impressive band called godspeed you black emperor okay yeah um a, a shifting lineup uh there's a couple of members that are sort of like the guys right but uh Godspeed is sort of known for insane live shows, very dramatic, very over the top. Um, and I, th- their first album is called F sharp, A sharp infinity. And okay. it begins with a 14 minute long track or maybe 18 minutes long. We're going to check Oof. real quick here. Okay. But, there's only one song. I'm giving you one song. It's 16 oh. minutes. There we go. Oh, you're giving me a 16-minute song to listen to? I'm giving to you a 16-minute song called The Dead Flag Blues. Now, By whom again? Godspeed, You Black Emperor. Oh, God, this is a lot. Okay. It, it is a lot. I'm excited and scared. Yeah. Like Little Red Riding Hood. So, ideally, I'm going to tell you perfect situation and you're probably not going to be able to put that into action and so you know we'll just have to deal with it i'm not, I'm not gonna listen have, to it high do you have a friend <laughs> not that perfect okay do you have a friend that you could drive out to the desert with <laughs> or, uh, or alone i mean you could do it alone but i don't have a car so right. that's uh, why can't i can't do it alone it. yeah well yeah yeah so Does it have to be I, the desert? Ideally, it could just be at night, right? But the point is, is you wouldn't be distracted by other things. And the desert is ideal for that. Interesting. Um, it's very cold here at night. Yeah. Well, that's why you're inside of a car with like, oh. heat, you know. Okay. Um, but ideally, you would be driving alone across the desert and you would hear this song and it would be very emotional for you. Now, if you can't do that, another thing would be, like, at the beach at night, or I don't know how close to, like, I, what time does, does Running Canyon close? Like, is it clo- it's dark and it's closed? It's, 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 yeah, it's technically sunrise to sunset. Um, <sighs> does it have to be at night? It helps if it's at night. The point is, is, like, a lack of distractions. I guess what I'm saying is, is I want you. This is this is one where you can't be distracted. Yeah. So I'll tell you what. I'll find a place. I'll I'll. Uh, it, it might not be at night, but I'll hike up to the right. top of the wisdom tree, and I'll have mm-hmm. my. The wisdom tree is a great place yeah. where I, I I will sit, and you can meditate, and you can look out over the San, yes. you know, the San oh, Fernando Valley great. or the L.A. Basin. Yeah. Out towards the ocean. Travis, and... I want you to know how committed to this. I was looking up moon phases to see when the moon would be setting over the ocean. Oh, Jesus. Wow. Yeah. Because, well, I feel like I'm only giving you one song. It's 16 minutes long with that super, sh- you know, that's like half the length of anything I've given you so far. Yeah, the other yeah. thing is, is that this is like, so yes, it's a 16 minute song, but there are movements to it. that it, I will it give ends it up its being due, like, I promise. It ends up being like three or, three or four songs. So, yeah. So I'll, um, I'll, I'll definitely find at least 
two situations to give this song its proper due. All right. Uh, I'm really excited to hear what you have to think about it. I'm I'm actually hopeful that you're gonna you're gonna find something to like about this. All right. Um, Me too. So, Me too. I'm an so. optimist. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't you you uh, I've listen I've even the even the songs and stuff that you've assigned so far that I haven't loved it's been an interesting experience for me and uh, you know me I'm same here always in for the experience yeah same here all right well Matthew thank you for exposing yourself to me Travis thank you for exposing yourself to me it's always a pleasure always <laughs> I'll talk to you next week yep talk to you next week bye-bye <laughs>